Hey everybody, just before we get this service started this morning, we have a quick update for you regarding a change in gathering restrictions that has just been released by our governing health authorities. As of Saturday, November 7th, uh, in the evening, Dr. Bonnie Henry has ordered a cease of all social gatherings for at least two weeks to stop the increasing spread of COVID-19. And while religious gatherings with adequate spacing, safety policies, and sanitization are still allowed, we believe it best to heed this advice uh, to cease gatherings, especially in regards to uh, small group home church gatherings. But we'd love you to consider using tools like Zoom or Facebook or Skype, uh, even just a phone call to continue in communication, dialogue, and prayer with each other, uh, just as ways to continue that small group gathering over the next couple weeks. And we just want you to know that most of the content for this morning's stream was recorded before this announcement. So take that into consideration when there are any references to small group gatherings. All right, let's go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome here. My name is Grant, one of the pastors here at Cedar Valley Church, and we are super excited that you've joined us together online this morning. If this is one of your first times here, special welcome to you. We're so glad you're here, and we would love to get to know you better. Uh, with services online like this, one of the best ways for that to happen is for you to actually let us know that you're here. Uh, you can throw a comment in the feed there if you're on Facebook or YouTube, send us a message uh, on any of those platforms. You could also send us an email, hello at cedarvalley.ca, because we'd love to just find a way to connect, to dialogue. One of our staff would love to just chat with you, say, hey, what's up? Um, yeah, and for everybody who's watching, one of the best ways to stay up to date with everything happening at our church, in our community, stuff like that happening, weekly devotional posts, is by following us on Facebook, Instagram, or heading over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, and signing up for our weekly email newsletter. There you'll find all sorts of great information like a big one coming up at the end of the month, November 29th, that's a Sunday, in the evening, starting at 7 p.m., we're gonna be having a congregational meeting. Now, this is one of the first meetings we've had like this since March when we stopped meeting at our church campus regularly, weekly. We kind of got into different routines with COVID-19 protocols in place. And what we really wanna do is just come together have some worship, have some prayer, kind of recap and fill you in on what our current strategy is for discipleship growth for our church community, what stuff is gonna look like going forward. We also wanna dialogue back and forth a little bit about uh, a couple weekends ago, we had a mission, visions, and values workshop. And there's some questions that came out of that because right now as a church, we are discerning and discovering prayerfully what the future of Cedar Valley is really gonna look like during this transitional time. We also wanna be able to answer some burning questions you might have as leadership, as staff. And the best thing right now for this, because some of you might join this meeting online, some of you in person, so to be fair to everybody, we're asking that you submit any questions that you might have for us uh, ahead of the meeting. So you can do that by sending your questions by email to rob at cedarvalley.ca, uh, Pastor Rob, and we'll discuss those as staff, as leadership. We wanna be able to answer everybody, again, whether they're in person or online or watching this meeting after the fact. And that'll be the best way that we can be faithful to you. We can answer thoroughly and effectively. And so again, a big thing with that is you need to sign up ahead of time because space is limited. So you can go to cedarvalley.ca uh, you'll see a sign up form at our homepage there. You also, likewise, all of this information is in our weekly email newsletter. So make sure you sign up for that, read it thoroughly, because there's a lot of great stuff in there about like really essential stuff happening from week to week to week. And if you know somebody who can't access email like that, it would be fantastic if you could fill them in by phone or even let us know who might be falling through these cracks so we can just make sure everyone is uh, in the loop as best as possible. 
All right, so that was one of our big announcements we want you to have a heads up on. Uh, another one is this week coming up on Wednesday, we will not be having an Awana Kids Club meeting or a youth group meeting. That's Wednesday, November 11th, because we're gonna be taking the day off uh, to just spend time with, with the rest of our country and the world, reflecting on sacrifice many have made for the sake of working for peace for our country. All right, we're gonna get the service going in just a moment here. We're gonna have a time of worship uh, brought to you by our amazing worship ministry. We've recorded some songs to help lead you in praise at home. Afterwards, we have a special lesson just for the kids from Pastor Doug, so stay tuned for that. It's gonna be a great time. And Pastor Rob is following up with uh, the sermon this morning, continuing in our road trip series and specifically talking about the future of Cedar Valley as we're discovering our vision and our specific purpose in our community here, our neighborhoods. And a huge part of that is, especially in light of the turbulence in the world with our neighbors to the south, yeah, with our own society breakdowns, uh, polit political issues, COVID-19 chaos going on, what we as a church community can offer a broken and needing world, needing of God's love, needing of God's grace, God's truth. So all in all, it's gonna be a great morning. But before we head into all of that, this morning, we're, we just wanna spend a minute. Even this Wednesday, November 11th, we're gonna be spending you know, the 11th minute of the 11th hour, a uh, moment of silence, remembering those who gave their life for fighting for our country, for peace. But this morning too, we wanted to we spend a bit of that time uh, in prayer, giving up some stories, maybe some words of encouragement, some thanks and some prayers for that exact thing. As a Mennonite church, we believe in peace as a high value. We work for peace. We work hard towards peacemaking and justice initiatives all over the world. And there's even a slogan that you may have heard about, to remember is to work for peace. So this morning, take a minute, uh, either in your small groups, if you're watching with some friends or family, uh, if you've got a watch party, or maybe you're at the, the church watch party happening this Sunday morning, uh, maybe you're just going solo, watching on your device, that's great. But take a minute, uh, Reflect on, maybe share stories of a loved one or somebody you know of who served giving their life for the work for peace or offer some prayers, some encouragement. Throw that on our chat streams too. Just let's lift up, spend some time this morning reflecting on that amazing gift that we've been given to worship God, to spread his good news uh, and to continue working for peace and justice in our world because of the sacrifice that others have made. So thank you everybody for joining in. We're gonna have a great morning.
Good morning, Cedar Valley. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning, and please join us in worship.
In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my life, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
Hey Cedar Valley kids, it is great to see you again today. But first, before we get into our Bible story, I want to talk to your parents just for a moment or others from the church. Do you know what? On Wednesday night, we're having a great time with the Iwana kids and we're getting new boys and girls who have never been to church before or heard the story of Jesus or the love of God. And what I want to ask is that we need one person to come and listen to some verses and go through the workbook with some of the boys aged grade three to grade six, our TNT boys. So please talk to me if you can do that. Also, we're looking for some prayer partners that we can send prayer requests to and give you prayer um, things to celebrate that you can pray along with what's happening every week at Awana. Thanks so much. We're having an awesome time. Well, kids, um, when was the last time you were in a tent? And if you can see back behind me here, is that kind of what your tent looks like? Do you have a story of this summer of where you went tenting? Maybe you have a favorite place you like to go. Maybe you can talk about that with your family afterwards. Some of your favorite camping places where you like to be in a tent. You know, when our kids were little, they liked to be in the tent so much that in summertime, we set up the tent downstairs in the basement and they slept down there every single night in summer when they weren't in school. And then when they got older, we set it up outside in the backyard and they camped out there most of the summer as well when we weren't going on vacation. But tents. I want to show you another tent. There's another picture of one. This one looks a little bit different. In the Bible, in the book of Acts chapter 18, there's a man and a, his wife, a husband and wife, their names were Aquila and Priscilla. I know, kind of weird names, but they were really cool people. Their job was to make tents. That's right. Lots of people lived in tents because they traveled so much and they didn't have RVs and trailers like we have today or hotels to stay in. They lived in tents. So Aquila and Priscilla, that was their job. And it says they were really good at it. They made good tents and people liked to buy them from them. And they would travel around to different towns and cities and they would make their tents and they would sell them. But you know what else? What they really liked to do? They liked to tell people about Jesus. And so everywhere they went, they would sell their tents and they would tell people about Jesus. Now, sometimes not everybody liked to hear what they were saying about Jesus, but other people, oh, they were so happy to hear the news. And just like Aquila and Priscilla, you know what? Even as you grow up, whatever you do, do it the best that you can. And don't be worried, maybe, if not everybody likes to hear about Jesus. But God wants you to tell people so everybody can hear about him and they can choose to believe in him which is so cool. You know, there's a verse in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 23, and it goes like this. Whatever work you do, do it with all your heart. That means do it the best that you can, like you are doing it for God. Not just working for money or doing something because the boss says you should, but you're doing it the best you can because you're doing it like for God. So, now, one thing, parents, you should have got an email that looks just like this, some activity pages that go along with the story of Aquila and Priscilla. 
And if you didn't get them or you didn't see them or anybody else wants to see these, if you have kids at home, there's some questions that we're going to put on the screen in just a second that are the same as in the book here. And while we continue on with our service this morning and your mom and dads listen to the message from Pastor Rob, I would like you to fill out these questions here about something that you would like to do. And also, down at the bottom, draw a picture of you doing it. All right? Thanks so much for listening this morning. We'll see you next week. Good morning, Cedar Valley. It amazes me how many Canadians talk about American politics. And it saddens me that so many of these exchanges reflect the same kind of partisan bickering and vitriol and judgment that has divided our neighbors in the South. I have friends who tell me that dinners have been ruined by political table talk. I have Floridian family members who are hardcore Republicans and other family members who send me video clips that castigate and spoof the POTUS. And then there's me. I, I've tried to maintain a neutral political posture in my family, choosing to focus on those good things in my life that I have some control over, which of course excludes American politics. It wouldn't be so bad if it stopped there. If people held their opinions without vilifying others who don't share those opinions. But it often doesn't stop there, does it? It says, Dr. Susan David reminded me this week in her post, we have, she says, a tendency to look at one another as a caricature rather than the complex creatures we are. Instead of seeing the whole person, it's easy to define one another by a single action, like who we voted for. Or as was a case for me, I had caricaturized, if that's a word, a pastor who spoke on, the, I spoke to on the phone years ago. It was one of the most bewildering conversations I've ever had with anyone. So I got the phone and probably muttered something under my breath like, that guy is nuts. Not proud of that, but just being honest. I had defined him as strange based on that one phone call until I got to know him until a ministerial lunch when I arrived a little late and the only empty seat at the table was, that's right, right beside my caricature. Our God does seem to have a sense of humor. He, the man I caricaturized, that pastor, was so much more than the person I made of him out of that phone call. He had a heroic and sympathetic backstory, which shaped how he saw the Bible and the world around him. He loved Jesus, he loved his church, he loved his wife, and he loved his kids. He, he wasn't nuts. He might be a little broken like me. We launched a great friendship out of that lunch because I got to know him. He was so much more than the person that I met on that phone call. 2020 has been, to borrow from those two, strange and nutty so far, hasn't it? 
a threat of a third world war, impeachment hearings in the US, a global pandemic so that we're visiting through plexiglasses and online memorial services, Black Lives Matter, death and rioting in the streets, and now a divisive US presidential election. As CNN observed, every year typically has a few defining moments, but the past six months have contained so many world-changing, paradigm-shifting developments that it's getting hard to believe we're not in a simulation that's running every possible scenario at once. So our question to consider together today is this, inspired by a leadership post I read earlier this week. What can the church offer the culture and each other at such a time as this? And the first of the points I want us to consider together is we can offer a culture of responsibility, not a culture of blame. The Bible says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. That's found in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It's hard to take personal responsibility, isn't it? It's hard to not conceal our transgressions. It's hard to be honest about the mistakes we've made and to admit them. It's easy to blame others, especially when we are all suffering different levels of pandemic fatigue. But when we confess our part in any problem and take steps to rectify it, this proverb actually tells us that we will find mercy and that it'll do well before God and with others. What do you think? Is it, is it true? Well, let's think about this for a second. What happens when we don't take personal responsibility? It'd be my observation that we become arrogant and defensive. We justify our behaviors. Our unacknowledged part of the problem tends to calcify over time. We become hard-hearted and judgmental of others. We break trust with people and we lose their respect. In short, and this is understanding it, we don't prosper. What happens when we do take personal responsibility though? We display humility, we change our behaviors, we're honest about our part of the problem, even if it is a small percentage of the whole problem. We become soft-hearted towards others because we can sympathize with them in our shared humanity. We establish and restore trust with people and we gain their respect. In short, we find mercy and we begin to prosper. When I confess my sins, my part of the problem, and when I forsake them, when I turn away from them and make changes, people around me begin to heal. So let me ask you, what do you need to confess and to repair today? What part of the problem do you need to own and to change? Do you throw down in political conversations? Do you prejudge people before even getting to know them? Do you judge people who think differently than you do? Do you say hurtful things to others or talk behind their backs? Or, oh, this one is a, a pet peeve for me. Do you third party your complaints instead of going to the source? Do you 
post positive or negative content online? Do you contribute or do you take away from the divisions around you? Remember, we can always own 100% of whatever percentage of the problem is ours to own. We can always admit when we've made a mistake or hurt someone and ask forgiveness. We can always take responsibility and make changes and earn the respect and trust of others and maybe even bring about some healing. What can the church offer the culture and each other at such time as this? A culture of unity, not a culture of division. The Bible says all of you have an unity in mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. This is what we're asked to do, to be. This is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And then in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Divided people and nations don't need more division. They need the unity that the church can offer. And by that, I mean a people of common cause for good, of humble minds to listen and to take responsibility, of tender and sympathetic hearts to express the love of God that defines them, and a people who are trying to live at peace with those around them. Like who, who wouldn't want to be around people like this? Are, are we these kinds of people at Cedar Valley Church? I think we have been, I think we are, and I think we can be. Cedar Valley Church has been the faith home for three different mayors, several city councilors, a school board chair, college trustees, an MLA, and an intrepid newspaper and television reporter, broadcaster, and theater performer who supplied a list of these things for me. Cedar Valley Church has helped build the Cedars and the Manor, and it's helped three refugee families find new homes in Canada. Cedar Valley Church has sent relief and development teams around the world, provided hundreds of handmade quilts to those who have had need of them, and partners with agencies in Guatemala, Zambia, Thailand, and Myanmar to improve the quality of life in those parts of the world. Cedar Valley Children's Center has been serving the city of Mission for the last 40 years. In fact, I spoke to a mom this week who said to me, that's actually the preschool I went to way back in the day. That was so cool. And because of the good and tender care of our preschool staff over those years, people have come to believe in God, to place their faith in Jesus Christ. We are currently volunteering at the food bank. We serve meals at Hope Central. We throw block parties on campus and we serve candy and hot chocolate at Halloween hotspots in our neighborhood as we did last Saturday. We pack shoe boxes, we host and we help Canadian Blood Services each month who help save lives. Recently, we were able to help a community family purchased a much-needed medical device to help them with their autistic son, who now participates in Awana. We are meeting with all kinds of community couples for premarital and marital coaching, and we were able to help 
Chani. Chani has this truck. Chani needed a temporary place to park this truck. So he parked it in our spacious private parking lot, though initially without permission. But given the signs on our fence and that Cedar Valley Church is the kind of church that is always trying to help where we can, we put a note on his truck with a gift card invite for some discussion, preferring to not tow his vehicle. We wrote up a mutual agreement, which he came in and signed some time ago. The staff was able to meet him and then learned that Chani is married with two children and he is a long haul truck driver going down into the states of California and back up bringing fruits and vegetables to Costco for us. Indeed, it would have been ironic in the worst ways if we had just simply towed his truck during a pandemic when his services are considered essential and when we are messaging on our fence, we're here for you. Thank you, frontline workers. These are the kinds of things a culture of unity at church can produce in partnership with God. God has said that we are made to do good works, that we are designed this way, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So we pray and we watch and he gives us good things to do. Will we see it? Will we do it? Now we don't always agree on that next thing to do, do we? But even in this, and maybe especially in this, we do have something we can offer the culture. Doing good things together, even though we don't always agree on everything. So disagreeing without being disagreeable. Focusing on what unites us versus what divides us. Someone once observed, if you aren't rowing the boat, then you're rocking it. And I say that to say this, we're in the same boat together as a church. And then to ask this question, are you rocking it or are you rowing? And to maybe even dig deeper in that, here are some other questions. Are you participating in online worship and discipleship? Or are you waiting for things to return to normal? Are you judgmental of others who don't share your convictions or their practices about COVID? Or are you gracious with each other in your differences? Are you reaching out to your neighbors in the name of Jesus? Or are you complaining about what the church hasn't done for you or isn't doing for you? Are you offering up your giftedness in service of the church? Have you reached out to call a staff member to say, how could I help? Or are you sitting at home waiting to be called? If you aren't rowing the boat, then you're rocking it. Ironically, we, could, we might learn this idea, be reminded of it, its power from a political ad in the United States this season. Chris Peterson and Spencer Cox produced a Unity TV ad together calling for civility during this American election. Turns out they are competing to be the governor of Utah. Chris is a Democrat, Spencer is a Republican. The ad has gone viral. They tease each other a bit in the spot, but they end with this. 
and I'm quoting from the ad, we can disagree without hating each other. We can debate issues without degrading each other's character. And win or lose in Utah, we work together. So let's show the country there is a better way. We approve this message, they said simultaneously. There is a better way. There's a third way. It's the way of the church to act in unity, not in division. What can the church offer the culture and each other at such a time as this? Last point that we'll dwell on for a second, a culture of knowing and remembering the good. The Bible says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In other words, know and remember what is good. I had made a caricature of a man I didn't know. Then I got to know him. He was more than the man I met on that phone call, which was bewildering to say the least. Resist prejudging people. Get to know your neighbors. Pray about ways you can help them. Watch for opportunities. And then, when God gives those opportunities to you, go for it. Be a blessing machine in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, around dinner tables. You're sitting at that dinner table. You've tried a couple of times to redirect the conversation away from politics. They keep throwing down point after point, hoping to persuade you, maybe even needing to defend themselves. Here's what Dr. Susan David suggests. When talking with relatives, it can be helpful to remember that the person you disagree so vehemently with is the same uncle who taught you to cast a fishing line or the same cousin who kept your middle school confidences. You don't have to see eye to eye or even condone your relatives' views to recognize each other's humanity. Remember the good. People are more than their political affiliations. You're online doing this sad scroll thing, a meme here, meme there, an emailed video clip, whatever it might be. What are you going to say? Are you going to pile on? Are you just going to repost it and continue the echo chamber? Are you going to say nothing? Are you going to counter with something positive? Point them to a better way. The culture is full of bad beat stories. Are you going to tell another one? Or are you going to tell a good story? I love Carrie Newhouse's advice on this, actually. Process privately. Help publicly. Processing privately can be as simple as praying about something and waiting 24 hours for you to say, for you to respond, for you to do something. He goes on to say, hope, hope counters hate better than hate counters hate. And hope is what the church at its best offers. Not hope in a candidate, not hope in a political party, hope in Christ. Someone in the world who transcends the world. Know the good who is Jesus. Remember him to the culture by acting like him in it, in person and online. So here's a quick recap of what we've talked about so far. And we'll close in a minute in prayer after I ask some small group 
questions of you that uh, Grant and I will just chit-chat about to stimulate your own conversations where you are. What can the church offer the culture and each other at such a time as this? Firstly, a culture of responsibility, not a culture of blame. Secondly, a culture of unity, not a culture of division. Thirdly, a culture of knowing and remembering the good. And here are our questions for group discussion. What do you need to confess and forsake? What steps will you take? And you might feel that's, that's pretty vulnerable to talk about in a group. But I found talking about it, I can enlist the help in the prayers of others towards an action. So I'll leave you to discern that. And then secondly, how are you contributing to the unity of the church at Cedar Valley and just at large? All right, let's pray. Father, these are tough times and we're tired, but we want to offer the culture more than it might be offering us. We want to offer a different way, a third way, a Jesus way. Thank you for... Um, the ability to do that, the, the strength to do that, the, the model of your son to do that, the, the knowledge that we don't do this on our own, that we as a church um, can do this together. Thank you that we can be a people who uh, are about responsibility, not about blaming, a people who are about unity, not about division, a people who know and remember what is good and act in it. Help us to do that. Help us to offer that to our families, our friends, around uh, divisive topics particularly, whether they be American politics, our own Canadian pol politics, or around COVID specifically, and how the range of how we feel about those things is so different. May we be agents of peace and healing uh, in a world that really needs it all the time, but maybe especially now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Grace and peace, Cedar Valley. Thank you everyone for joining us this morning. Thanks for uh, listening in. And Rob, thanks for uh, a great, really timely message. Mm. For, yeah, just obviously what we're yeah. hearing coming into our heads, into our eyes, right? Everything we see is with this kind of stuff. But as a church, obviously I think the big thing we're going through this season is looking towards a discerning discovery in our future vision and that means what can we offer to our culture which is current not 10 years ago culture not 15 like right now and going forward so yeah i think a message like this is relevant and i think we want to be relevant as a church yeah. with, without abandoning the gospel for instance but making yeah. it relevant yeah one well, and relevant and i i think half the examples you're talking about my life right mm -hmm. or did that just happen to be coincidental well not just your no 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 <laughs> Because it's, you know, it's very, it, it applies to my life immediately right now. I imagine that's a lot of people listening. Yeah, yeah very true. So uh, we want these. So these are tough. These are tough questions to sort of think through. But again, we'll try to model a little bit of what we're hoping for you to sort of talk about and move towards. So what, what about you? What is? Do you have a need to confess or? If you take anything, and what, are you, what steps are you taking, or have you taken that? Uh, yeah, well, that, that question is one that we don't like to nice. ask much, right? right? I'll let you answer that. Sure, that's fine. I asked that, that conviction. But you know, I, even when you're speaking, and, and this is where I was like, oh, you took that example right out of my mouth, is mm -hmm. it's difficult 
just like you were saying, saying uh, Dr. Susan David, yeah. instead it's difficult to not paint people as a caricature of one opinion or one vote or one belief, right? Right. And hugely, this is what really convicted me. The spirit is telling me, like, you know what? That little nugget that is your thing is just that's your political thing is actually me having to watch prejudice because that's the same root as racism, right? Which we think, oh, I'm. I'm not racist, I'm on top of that, I make sure to never have a racist bone in my body, but we're prejudiced against people's opinion, belief, their background, their upbringing, and right. we characterize them quickly. Right. We, yeah. we, if I asked you if you were racist, you'd say, heck no. Yeah. But I think that is the kind of root. So you're in the middle of a conversation uh, on politics, you're at a dinner table or wherever. How do you, how do you shut that down graciously? I, I sort of think, as I've said to, even as I preached it with my own family, this, this is a particularly helpful conversation mm. and I, I want to enjoy my interactions with you and I love you and I don't want this to become characteristic of what we do so we can uh, we can give it five minutes and it's important to you yeah. but can we move on to something like how would you how do you shut those things down if they're happening like that oh well, or, so, or maybe yeah. you don't need to I don't know yeah uh, you know it's not not overly common um, so it's the thing I'm, I'm learning right? yeah. how to do I'll take a while from the sermon but I think actually just that just asking you know, this is this is negatively affecting our relationship right now. Not necessary to talk about the way we love each other. Right. Pointing right. towards something that's positive, maybe, right. or mutual ground. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a few ideas out there. I think a step you can take, or a reasonable step you can take, is is is, is, um, is talking about your feelings. This this is actually becoming um, discouraging. It, it, it's moving away from why I'm here. I, I just want to spend time with you. Can we can we talk about us sure. or our relationship or whatever it might be? How about the second question here? Yeah. How are you contributing to the unity of the church? Which is maybe a different question for a staffer. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I'd get paid a salary to, to, <laughs> to stimulate unity. Hopefully do this. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a big one, especially with COVID, and my wife Leslie and I, we've, we've talked about, uh, we're watching our language regularly to help drive conversations towards positive focus, especially so with, with COVID stuff, which has been such an impact in our routines, especially for church going, right? And it's, it's been very disruptive is to respect the significance of a pandemic like this and the health implications, but to also find everything from just our language to the the subjects we talk about to what we even do, right? Like who we invite over, who we visit with, stuff like that, but to mm -hmm. not provoke fear, panic, or negativity of what we've lost. Instead to just try to help drive stuff towards what are the silver linings? What are we gaining out of this? What mm -hmm. can we grow out of this? Mm -hmm. So staying and focusing on what's positive. Yeah. And the unity around those things. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, man. How are we contributing? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, Rob, if there's one thing you just want to leave people with as we go into our small group discussion, something like that is, do you have like a one specific focus that we can just take into our hearts this week that we can uh, talk about our small groups, bless our families, bless our friends with those we work with. I like the way we started. Uh, I think the question I would ask would be, how are we being helpful at such a time as this? Politically along the lines, divisions, but just divisions in general, right? Around COVID or, or even in our own families, are there blind spots to the things we've done? And they're called blind spots for that reason, but if we're made aware of them, are we taking action on them? So, yeah. How are we generally being part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem? Part of the solution. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thank you for joining, everyone. We're going to see you next week.